welcome to this special podcast series on creating healthy workplaces, brought to you by Wellcosa, the Wellness Council of South Africa. My name is Dr. Martin Combring, founder and director of Wellcosa and a wellness strategist. This series of podcasts features internationally renowned experts in the field of health and wellness in the workplace, and these speakers will impart their knowledge, insight and wisdom in the field of workplace wellness to listeners around the world. I'm very glad and very happy to have Dr. Stephen Aldana from the CEO of WellSteps. Dr. Aldana is one of America's foremost experts on healthy living and works out wellness. And during the more than 20 years in academia, Dr. Aldana authored over 75 scientific papers and seven books on health risk management, healthy living, and health promotion programs. He has given over 350 keynote speeches across the U.S., on the ability of good nutrition and regular exercise to prevent, arrest, and reverse many chronic diseases. His books have sold over 1 million copies and are used by 4,500 companies and corporations. Currently, Dr. Aldana is the CEO of WellSteps, a worksite wellness solution that leads the nation in wellness program develop, deployment and engagement. WellSteps also provides consulting services and health promotion guidance to many of the nation's larger corporations, including NASA, Bridges Petroleum, Nationwide Insurance, Athenium Blue Shield and Blue Cross, Johnson & Johnson, Damien Chrysler, and many other corporations across the US. And Dr. Steve will talk to us today on making the case for workplace wellness. So first of all, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Stephen. Thank you, Martin. The pleasure is all mine. When you run a rollout a program um, within a company, say it's a um, losing weight program or whatever it might be, um, do you what what sort of percentage of people do you find is um, participating in these um, um, programs? So what is the average statistics um, that you've looked at? Uh, it all depends on. Uh, you know, how engaged this organization wants to be. Occasionally we have a group that says, well, we're only gonna pay for 25% because we think that's all who's going to participate, which is a fatalistic way to look at it. Um, mm. Our participation averages above 75% across all companies. In fact, wow. just, just to apply for the Coop Award, your participation has to be in excess of 75%. So what that means is there has to be a really good communication and marketing platform in place to make sure that employees know about the program, it's easy to engage, and that they know the benefits that will come to them, and that it's done in the right spirit. It's not being forced down their throat. It's voluntary. There's very strong leadership support. I'm going to send some notifications to a spouse or significant other. There's incentives that you can earn. And there's this part of this that I spend a lot of time in, and that is the marketing of this. What that means is at the end of the day, we're trying to convince people to do health behaviors that they may not want to do. For example, some people love smoking mm. uh, two or three packs of cigarettes a day. It's not just the addiction, it's part of their lifestyle and they really enjoy it. Well, if I'm going to get you to come to participate in a, in a smoking cessation program, I need to communicate to you the reasons why you should. 
Well, there's an, a monetary incentive, a reward. There's all the benefits of not smoking. There's the fact that your spouse is already here and she wants you to join and she wants to spend the rest of her life with you. It's <laughs> the marketing that makes these programs work. So we use posters and emails and text messaging and letters from the CEO of the organization and lots of beautiful, colorful, regular, consistent messages give in multiple ways so that people know, oh, here is the Move It campaign where we're gonna move around and exercise as teams and have a lot of fun. It's the, it's the effective communication and marketing that really helps get most of these people engaged bolted on with a reward at the end so there's an incentive yeah it's um <clears throat> it just makes so much sense if you if you listen to the experts and i think that's why you yeah just to um to follow up on the leadership issue now you and troy adams the ceo um combine five decades of experience in, in workplace health research and practice showing unmatched leadership and explain to us a little bit why leadership plays such an important part in worksite wellness um, it is, it's probably the number one or number two thing that determines whether or not a program is successful or not. If the CEO lets all of his vice presidents and leaders and managers know that we as an organization want to create a place where people can thrive, where people like to come to work, where they feel appreciated, where we have fun but we work hard and we make it easy for people to be healthy if that message percolates from the top down it has a much higher odds of success if the if the senior leadership team is engaged then it's important to them him or her then it's important to me along the way if it's done right if it's forced down their throat it'll be counterproductive but we want to lead people down this journey of good health and the senior leadership support is one of the, if not the most important aspect of this. Second to that is the effective use of rewards. If they're done right and they're the right rewards and the right amounts and they're communicated in the right way, people will come. They may not be interested in having more fruits and vegetables in their diet or exercising on a regular basis, at least not in the beginning. But if that incentive is done properly, they'll come just for the incentive. So the senior leadership piece is, is, is critical to that. And we've, we've written an awful lot about the senior leadership support because it is so critical. Absolutely. Now, I've noticed um, a lot of time I've asked to um, move into a company to as part of a wellness program to deliver some interventions. And really, really, really have I seen any of the top management attending any of these sessions. Um, you know, they send their employees, but they're not there. So what is the real message being sent out, going out to, to the employees? Yeah, this is important for you, but it's not important for me. Um, yeah. and, and they know that, they know that. But I also understand that some of these people are very, very busy. I, I completely understand that. But just um, simple, as simple as a CEO putting out a little note or a little letter to an employee saying, hey, I see you've been engaging in our wellness program. I talked to so-and-so in HR. They say you're having a great time. That's what our company wants. You know, I'm proud of you. I'm glad you like this program. Sincerely, you know, the CEO. Very simple. It's a little letter that goes out. We even have such letters that we give to the CEOs. We call it our senior leadership packet, where we give the senior leaders some tangible things they can do to help promote this program, even though they may not be that interested in it. 
and it really does have good value to them. But even a picture in the in the company newsletter or the company website of the senior leader having a healthy meal or walking during a meeting with his employees or you know taking time out to exercise, those things make a difference. Yeah, it's so important at the end of the day. Um, Dr. Steve, tell me, um, have you noticed that there's a growing need for workplace wellness in small organizations, let's say less than 50 people in a company? Is there a need for, for something like that? Um, outside of the United States, uh, there is not as much interest in doing these to control healthcare costs because most groups have socialized medicine. That said, employers, small employers, have all the more reason to do this. If you have an employee who is ill or has chronic disease and is out, that absence has a much larger effect on a small business than it does on a large business. Mm. The, 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 the impact felt by having an employee be absent is much more powerful the smaller you are. But they have the same disease patterns. They have the same lifestyle choices. They have the same productivity and health issues that larger companies do. There's just few, fewer people of them. There is a, a misconception that these programs are only for really, really large companies. And that was probably the case 30 years ago, kind of where they started. But today, that's not the case at all. Um, we, have, we have companies, we do this as small as five employees. We have quite a few that are in, you know, 20 employees or 50 or 25 or seven. So they're, they're still wanting to engage. They're still wanting to do this for all the right reasons. And it may not have anything to do with healthcare costs. They're concerned about employee health or diabetes or the obesity epidemic. And they really want to make this place an inviting, caring, motivating place where people can come, contribute with their works, feel like they're part of something bigger and feel very much appreciated for their efforts. And wellness programs are a great way to provide that service. Mm. And notice, notably, um, the, the, the importance of, of mental health in a workplace is um, increasing. Have you found that as well, the need for that? Uh, that, that need has always been there. And mm. traditionally, um, the wellness world has we've just kind of skirted around the mental health thing. We, we do stress management and we can do guided imagery and have yoga classes and we can also do mindfulness. Mm. But once we start getting into uh, serious depression or serious personality disorders or serious issues that require a considerable medical follow-up and counseling, I think the EAP people are, are very well positioned to do that. Uh, they do a very good job of that. And at this point in time, there hasn't been much crossover between those two worlds. EAP does EAP and wellness kind of does wellness. Outside of stress and and uh, some other issues, uh, mindfulness, um, we, we typically, most companies typically let the EAP people handle the clinical mental health issues. Right. And um, WellStep itself, um, have you had any success or have you um, got some of the clients that um, I'm, I'm looking at to wellness within universities, which at the moment in South Africa is, is quite a big concern. Have you had success in that field? They do. I would challenge you to find any university in the United States that does not have two wellness programs, one for faculty and staff designed internally through HR benefits, and one specifically designed and made available to students. 
In well, fact, I, I can think of very, very few. I don't know of a single university that doesn't have at least those two. Now, they may be small, may be growing. Some of them are extremely well uh, produced and well done. But there's two. There's programs specifically designed for students because those student needs are different than in a slightly older faculty staff population that wants to do more things about, wants to do a biometric screening, is concerned about a mammography, is concerned about healthy diet and type 2 diabetes. A lot of kids between the ages of 19 and 25 don't care about their mortality because they're immortal. So they <laughs> want to do other things. They want to have fun and they want to be engaged and learn to eat healthy and reduce their stress. And, you know, they also want to have maybe some financial counseling and maybe some some mental health counseling as part of that. And they're slightly different targets. Of course, it's understandable. Um, now, um, we've been talking all over the show with different aspects um, because I've been waiting for this interview such a long time. The, the making the case for worksite wellness um, um, and your opinion, if I, if I can say, um, what are the two most important aspects in a successful workplace wellness program? You know, a good program is going to make employees feel like they are valuable assets at this organization. So they're going to encourage people to be healthy. And the kind of science that we share with people when they say, well, why should I have a wellness program? Well, because we're going to improve the behaviors of your employees. We're going to help them adopt and maintain healthy behaviors. So they're going to eat different. They're going to sleep better. They're going to move around more. They're going to do a lot of activities that are going to promote good health. And from that, in a lot of cases, they actually like us to look at their biometric data, their health risk data. Let's look at their BMI and their glucose and their total cholesterol and their systolic, uh, systolic and diastolic blood pressures and show that we can improve these elevated health risks. So we are improving health on a behavior perspective and on a risk perspective. So with that, and we have an enormous amount of data to show that, there is one weakness to this, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'm very upfront about this. The obesity epidemic has been a global phenomenon for decades now. Hmm. I don't know of a single wellness program anywhere in the world that has been able to help a workforce reach and maintain a healthy weight. Doesn't happen. Hmm doesn't exist. There are no examples of this. I have lots of stories of individuals who've really come through a journey and really transformed their lives and done really well. But as a whole, when we look at the best of the best of the best programs, about the best they can do is keep people from getting worse. So since the trend is up for obesity and type 2 diabetes, if we can just make that trend plateau and not get worse, that's progress. It's unrealistic to expect it to drop significantly down to where everybody's at their normal, healthiest weight and maintain that. It doesn't exist. I've never seen it, and we're probably not going to see it because of the pressures, cultural, nutritional, to change our diets and to be sedentary are so great that we're not going to be turning that around anytime soon. So the best I think most groups can hope for, this is what we see in our data, is that in the next two or three years, it didn't get worse, because that's an improvement. The fact that it didn't get worse yep. is moving in the right direction. So that's the one exception to this. Now, what I did mention, there's this business of absenteeism. I'm, I'm not at work because I'm sick or ill. The data on employee absenteeism and presenteeism is very, very strong. 
it says that if you have a healthy lifestyle, you're less likely to be work, you're less likely to be absent from illness, from some preventable condition. Likewise, presenteeism is the ability to be at work and actually be present at your work, actually functioning and productive. We have we have measures and metrics and ways of looking at whether or not I'm being productive at work. We know there's strong correlations between healthy lifestyles and reductions and presenteeism. That's another great benefit. One of the ones that I like the most, one of the main reasons that I really like these programs is because if you're at a company that has a good wellness program, this is a company that really values you as an individual. You're mm -hmm. a contributing important member of this organization. We value you. We want you here for a long, long time. We want you to have good self-esteem and good self-confidence. We want you to feel like, you know, you can be creative and you, you, you know, this is a safe place to be and that you are valued. When people feel valued and liked and cared for, they will be the most productive, helpful, creative employees ever because they want to be there. This business of employee morale is huge. Mm. It's, it's harder to study. The number of studies and research on it is not nearly as strong, but we have good indication. Companies with good wellness programs have employees with really high morale. And when you have high morale, you do better customer service, you're more productive, you do better design work, you get along with other people work, you wanna be at work, you just feel like a valued, helpful person. And that makes a difference in people's lives. It makes a difference in companies because companies are more successful when their employees are happy and appreciated. Wellness programs help fill that need as well. So true that because, um, you know, so many companies haven't realized yet that um, the employees are their biggest asset of the company. Um, and interesting enough, um, in my experience, when I talk to people about wellness, uh, the first thing that comes up that I want to know is what is the return on investment going to be? And then secondly, after that, um, you know, we don't have budget for that. Um, so it's almost like it's on the last sort of priority for the company to to look at worksite wellness. Well, you can reverse the question when they tell you that. You can say, well, what's the ROI on your benefits package? What's the ROI <laughs> on your on your on your paid time off? What's the ROI on your safety program at this organization? What's the ROI on your retirement plan? And the answer is they have no idea, but mm. they do it because it's traditional, it's expected, it's what we do to keep employees, but it's the same argument. There is no ROI on those, but we do it because we think it's the right thing to do. Right. Now, <clears throat> Dr. Steve, I can I can talk to you for a really long time, but um, I know you're busy and we've got a, a time scheduled um, to keep to. I just wanted to ask you one more thing. In, um, if there's a um, CEO or leadership out there listening who wants to start getting into a, a workplace wellness program, um, what can you say to to them to 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 really get them going to 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 to, to implement it and make a success of it in the company right now? What's the first step they can do? Um, you know, have some discussions with their HR benefits people. Ask them and their employees about their level of interest in a wellness program. Look around your organization and tell me whether or not the health of your organization, of your employees needs to be improved. Just the obesity trend alone tells us that we have changed, that we need some help, we need to make some changes. 
So ha have have the discussion. Bring somebody in like you or other people there just to talk about what what would happen to this organization if we were to make some changes here. What what does this look like? What could we what could we anticipate in three, five, or ten years from now if we embrace a comprehensive wellness program? And at least start having the discussion uh, internally. Bring in an expert. Uh, you know, talk because they they know about these programs, but they may have heard some things or read some things that have discouraged them. The employees will love them if they're done properly. And uh, there's just a lot of benefits. And these are the same kind of discussions they're going to have on any strategic decision that the organization is going to make. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Stephen, it's, it's been an absolute pressure. Um, please just give um, the listeners uh, your contact details where they can contact you to, to get more information. Yeah, uh, you can reach me at Steve, S-T-E-V-E, at Wellsteps dot com w-e-l-l-s-t-e-p-s wellsteps.com uh the information i've shared with you martin is uh, a lot of information i put in these blog articles wellsteps.com forward slash blog in fact you can probably google up any wellness topic in google and we're going to be on the top of that search so we've taken the 30 to 50 years of experience uh, dr adams i have and we've we've done over 70 blog articles on every possible topic within the wellness world. They're all online. I encourage you to go and, and use them as much as you can to help your programs improve. Thank you for listening to this insightful speaker on the Creating Healthy Workplaces podcast series. Please share this podcast with your friends and family and colleagues, and be sure to join us for the next episode.